Lisa Lanier is on the line with us. We do Lawyer Up every week at this time. She goes inside at least three and sometimes more legal cases, solves them all. She's with us today. Lisa, hello. How are you? I'm fantastic. I hope you guys are. Well, doing very well. Let's get right to it here. This one, uh, there's a couple of these cases today that are really interesting to me. One of them, and you'll know whose side I come down on in this one. An eight-year lawsuit has just settled. Tiffany was suing Costco. Tiffany, the... The, the pop star? No, no, not the pop star. Although the popular you know, jewelry uh, store? The popular jewelry store, New York's <laughs> Tiffany, has sued Costco because Costco was selling and has sold thousands of Tiffany rings. And Tiffany, the company, is saying, oh, you just, that's a trademark infringement. But Costco says, no, everybody knows that that's become a ubiquitous term, that Tiffany is a, tip of, is a cut of jewelry, a cut of diamond. Mm. So they've been going at it now for eight years. Lisa... Who won and why? Well, at first, Tiffany won. They got a $21 million judgment against Costco, but the appellate court reversed, vacated that, and said, no, no, no. Basically, this that Costco is right, that this is this 184-year-old company, that their that term, Tiffany, has become like Kleenex is synonymous with tissue. And so that they said that basically Costco showed no bad faith, that they were describing the cut, it's like a, a setting of a diamond. Mm -hmm. And that that's what they were describing, that there was nothing wrong with it. And so at that point, it could have been further appealed, but instead they decided to settle. So I think there was not a $21 million payout probably, but something less. I would say they probably you know, ended up paying, uh, I would think, something, because mm -hmm. it was ended up just settled. But your comparison is interesting to me because I, I bet if you went into Costco and they sold Kirkland brand Kleenex because they sell Kirkland brand tissue. But if they called it yeah. Kirkland brand Kleenex, I think Kleenex would have a real problem with that, don't you think? Well, you know that that has one of that's one of those terms that has become yeah. basically they've lost the value of their trademark or the power of their trademark, and once that happens, you know it, it is used like that, unfortunately. So I mean, unfortunately for those companies, so. Mm -hmm. It now, and I think one of the reasons Tiffany wanted to shut this down without further appeal was the court sort of stopped, the appellate court stopped just shy of saying that they had completely lost that value in that name. But I think that's where they thought it was going. So mm. I think they wanted to go ahead and shut it down and settle it. Okay. I'm just glad Audrey Hepburn from Breakfast at Tiffany's <laughs> is not around to yeah. see Lisa Lanier, an educated, erudite woman comparing Tiffany's to Kleenex. <laughs> that is true. Well, I'll tell you, I'm just glad that Costco came out on the right side of this. Ah, yeah. As you know, I am a supporter of that company. Now, I never Sounds bought like any I know where your daughter's getting her jewelry. Yeah. <laughs> I've never bought any Tiffany jewelry. I've bought some Costco jewelry, I can tell you that. Uh, you know, it's, it is a shame, though, because it's like the success of these companies like Kleenex or Q-Tip or mm -hmm. Tiffany. It's like they have all this great success and they lose what you said, their yeah. copyright power. We have this story is very interesting to me as well. My wife and I have been hashing this one out, and I have a, like a follow up question to it. The New, New Mexico Supreme Court has weighed in on something. Several years ago, a guy stopped for gas. This was 2011. A guy uh, named Andy Denny stopped for gas, got it, paid for it, and he was clearly drunk. He was more than two times the legal limit. So he left the gas station, got back on the road, went the wrong way down the highway hit another driver, killed the driver, okay? Mm. Now, that family has been suing for a long time the gas station, 
saying that the attendant should not have let that person, that drunk person, leave. And by selling them gas, it's uh, tantamount to a bartender selling someone who's been overserved alcohol and then letting them get out on the road. And they've upheld that. And the New Mexico Supreme Court has said that's right. Am I right on this, Lisa, so far that the gas station, if you sell somebody who's obviously drunk gasoline, you can be held responsible? It's a very, you're correct, but it's a very unique fact pattern. And so I don't think it would apply to very many actual real life situations beyond this one. Mm -hmm. Because what happened was this, this man, and he had a female companion with him, they ran, they, they were hammered. They had been drinking at home. They had been drinking at a bar. <clears throat> they had, uh, they were doing shots. They were drinking beer. They ran out of gas. Walking a mile to the gas station, he consumed two to three more beers that he grabbed out of the car and just kept drinking as he walked to the gas station. God. They come into the gas station, and they're so intoxicated that the clerk at first won't even sell them anything. She's mm. like, I'm not selling you guys anything. And they were out of gas, and the store had no gas canisters. So they were looking around the store to try to find something they could empty out, like a gallon of something, you know, a gallon of milk, a gallon of water. She finally sells them the items so that they can get a gallon of gas. And she says to them, you two sure are intoxicated. <laughs> so she knows yes. that they are going to go. Oops. She knows that they're yeah. going to go take that gas and put it in a car and drive. And yeah. so it was a really unusual fact pattern. And you can kind of see why the court said, yeah, that was a wee bit negligent. Mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, that's, that's what it is. So, but it wouldn't, because I, I was thinking most people now don't even see the attendant. They just pay for it right there at the right. pump. So exactly. so this is a strange case where she has, they had to get the gallon mm. container or whatnot. I'm uh, just glad Audrey Hepburn wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> so true. You two seem pretty drunk. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me ask, I'll ask you another question, Lisa. Now, let's say that you have teenage, a teenage son or daughter and you have uh, now I, I believe that if you have a party where you allow drinking like you're a parent and you allow them to drink and then they go out and drive that's on you but let's say you just have beer or wine or liquor that is you know in the refrigerator and you're not home and a bunch of teenagers come over and drink at your house and then go out and get in an accident does the parent have any legal responsibility there if they don't know the party's going on no, no, you wouldn't have any legal responsibility there. But if you provided the alcohol and right. you knew that they were you okay. know, drinking and driving, that's, that's what's so unique about this New Mexico thing. I mean, the woman had very obvious knowledge. It's even on a video. She had knowledge. She said, you know, you all are very inebriated. Actual knowledge is a very different thing. And what the court said in the New Mexico case was this was basically the same thing, like handing car keys to a drunk. You right. basically mm. We're putting them out on the road. Yeah, exactly. And bartenders do, they get in trouble for that. They are liable for stuff like that, correct? If they uh, continue to overserve someone who is already visibly intoxicated, yes, they okay. can. They can get in a dram shop, and then they the bar can be held responsible for injuries and deaths that are caused by that. You know, uh, this next story has to do with drinking, too. It happened in Japan, and the question for me is, is this a crime in the United States? A guy in Japan was drunk early in the morning. He had been drunk, I guess, from the night before. He drank eight beers between 7 a.m. and noon, so he was drunk. And he started going through his house. He was at home, and he found a drone that he had forgotten about and said, well, I'm going to fly this drone. But he's drunk, (laughs) and he starts flying the drone, and it crashes into somebody else's window. And in Japan, that's drinking and droning. You are not (laughs) allowed. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) You're not allowed to do that. So he's been fined $2,700. Nobody got hurt. He's got to pay the damage of the other house. If I drink and drone in the United States, <laughs> am I breaking the law? 
Well, technically, unless you have a very small toy drone, but if it if it's a reasonably uh, decent drone, you know the weight the weight to be under FAA regulations is not that much. So mm-hmm. most decent drones are under FAA regulations, and FAA regulations say that you cannot pilot the the aircraft, whether it's a drone or an airplane, if you've been drinking, and they have all these. I mean, you can't have had alcohol within eight hours. You can't. There's a whole long list of FAA regulations. So technically, those do apply to drone operators. But what was unique about this situation in Japan is they had recently passed this very specific sort of DUI type law, separate from sort of FAA type regulations. One state in the U.S. has done the same thing, New Jersey. So New Jersey has passed a law against drinking and droning because basically, you know, you're not under that FAA regulation. You're not going to typically get arrested. But now New Jersey, they're coming after people. If you're drinking and droning, watch out. I'll be darned. I'll tell you, Dave had to skip this segment. I really think we need to update him on <laughs> oh, this. Man, he yeah. needs to be. <laughs> I feel like he's going to find a new drone. drinking and droning. <laughs> How about yeah. drinking? And, he's he's done a lot of drinking and cooking strange items in his home, like uh, yeah, tortilla what he does hot, to hot dogs. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> he's done a lot of that. Uh, we will update him on that. The the next story is uh, at a gas station as well. We already had one of these, and this is fascinating to me. Chris Tim found this earlier in the week. A guy who police say left his car running and unattended last Friday afternoon at a gas station in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Now he's going into the convenience store, leaving the car running. Never a good idea. Uh, oftentimes cars are stolen that way. Yeah, they mm-hmm. literally leave it, not just with the keys in it, but running. A girl, a juvenile, jumps into the car and starts to drive it away, starts to steal it. Guy comes back out of the convenience store, realizes what's happening, and starts firing at her, shoots her. Now she's in the hospital. Her condition's unknown, but she had to go on a uh, flight for life to go and transport her to the hospital. The guy is the one that is the criminal here. He's been arrested. So you can't do something like that, or can you in certain states and not in others, Lisa? No, you can't. Where this happened in Wisconsin, you most definitely cannot use deadly force to protect property where there's no threat of bodily injury to a person. And that's pretty much the case, even in states that have um, a little bit more uh, restrictive castle doctrines or stand-your-ground laws. They typically will not okay purely when you know it's just purely a property crime. Most states follow some version of the Castle Doctrine that says you can use deadly force if someone comes into your car while you're in it, mm-hmm. your home, you know, but you got to be in it, and your business. But if you are, you know, in this case, he left his car running, went into the gas station, this young girl jumps in his car, if she's facing charges as well, they both are. But uh, they actually, the article I read had a, a funny quip from a legal analyst who said in wisconsin it's self-protection not stuff protection that's uh-huh. allowed which i thought was kind of okay kind of funny, but that, yeah you can't do that that's good w- w- lisa would it surprise you if the the car owner the man if his attorney said that he was trying to protect someone that this driver might run over down the street with a stolen car mm, that's good lawyering yeah that's clever but i don't think it's gonna fly it's still you know it's still opening fire on and i think it you know, it might play out differently if it was a grown man or woman that took off in the car. I think the fact that it was an underage person also kind of is, is mm. hard here on him. Mm. I think he's going he's gonna to face, uh, I think, a different sort of just sort of moral look at him. I think they're going to say, hey, you know, you saw this kid jump in your car and you opened fire on her. And, yeah. I mean, for her to be life-flighted, I mean, I'm, I think, you know, she was definitely in the wrong. But he, you know, under the law, there's no 
there's no excuse for just opening fire on somebody to protect the, you know, from a, them taking a thing. And you're saying even in Florida, this wouldn't work. <laughs> you know, Florida, Florida definitely is the place where, you know, what you actually see a lot of times is you see juror nullification mm-hmm. where the law says you can't protect property in that kind of situation, but you end up with a hung jury or a not guilty, even where the law, it goes the other way because jurors will say, you know, like say what not, if it was not a, a young girl, but it was say, you know, a middle-aged man or woman, they might look at it differently and, and you might see the man who opened fire get away with it, mm. you know, but in th- this situation, I think it, it plays out worse for him because it was a kid. Okay. Mm. And finally from Ohio, a hospital in Cleveland has apologized. University hospitals, Cleveland apologized for a mistake. Apparently, uh, somebody was waiting on a kidney and was getting ready to have the transplant. Kidney was going to be implanted in them, and that kidney went to somebody else in the hospital, who, by the way, was a match, and it did work for that person, but the other person now has to go back on the registry, and uh, they've offered a sincere apology to the mm-hmm. family for accidentally putting <laughs> into the wrong person. Are they going to have to offer more than that, Lisa, like some sort of money? Yeah, I think for the patient who was supposed to have gotten the kidney, mm-hmm. yeah, they're going to have to uh, definitely probably because that you know the kidney transplant wait time is like five to ten years, and a lot of people die waiting for a kidney. And you know this person is finally here at the finish line, getting ready to get their kidney, and then they give it to the wrong person. They have to say, "Oops, sorry, mm-hmm. now you got to go back and wait." Dang. And hopefully they're going to somehow be able to you know expedite this person getting a kidney. But I mean, who are you going to take it from? You know, that's already in line behind. You know. Yep. I mean, it's sort mm-hmm. of, they have pretty pretty stringent rules about the allocation of these organs and people who have been waiting. So, you know, let's hope that person that was supposed to have gotten that kidney doesn't die waiting. I mean, Ooh. then the damages are really bad. This is triggering for Chris Dim. He only has one kidney. I don't know if you knew. He's a one-kidney man. No, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah it's true. Know that. It's real hard to figure out where to kidney punch him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> He's always sideways. He's always sidling. You know, Biggie's dream is that one day they'll say, Chris Dim must have a kidney transplant, and Biggie is the only person that will match. And so a piece of Biggie will have to go into Chris Dim. Making I may him- jump out of the top floor window of the hospital. Right. <laughs> He'd be impure then. Oh, look, he lived. <laughs> Quick, wheel him up here while he's knocked out. <laughs> How about that poor person waiting on a kidney, opening up a, one of those Playmate coolers, and inside it's a lunch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is supposed to save my life. This, this is, is a ham, ham sandwich. What is this? <laughs> this is a sandwich and a Coke. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, man. Oh, man. My prize. <laughs> That's it. That's Lisa Lanier. The segment is Lawyer Up. She solved all those cases as she always does. She'll be back again next Friday or when the law is broken. We have her on at a moment's notice. Lisa Lanier, thank you very much. It's great to hear from you. Great to talk to you. Have a great weekend.